that number had gone up, people who were willing to actually make purchases on the mobile platforms had actually gone down. On Android, you have your executable file, which is called an APK file, right? Mm -hmm. And if you release an Android game, Side quest accepted. I don't think that Netflix's gaming platform is built really for anything other than high-end mobile gaming. And that's going to be a huge impact, especially when other platforms start jumping on board with that. I mean, right now, Netflix is fairly limited, but they've just crossed over to where you can stream games onto your TV, I read. And I think that's where they want to go with it. I mean, I think the end goal for a lot of people who are trying to cloud stream is to have a sort of Netflix platform for gaming. It's not quite viable yet because of various barriers in tech in terms of being able to stream a high-end game and have it work without any quirks. Obviously, that's a pot of gold because NVIDIA's invested a lot of money in it. Mm. Xbox has invested a lot of money in it. PlayStation has. Nintendo has. I mean, all of these guys are pushing this sort of cloud-based system. And I think cross-platforming, you know, once you can stream, it doesn't matter what your device is or what device you buy. And the whole idea of you know what console is the best or if you prefer pc gaming could perhaps become moot you know being able to play high-end triple a games i played around with nvidia's system and you know at first blush it seems pretty cool but you know it's still a little janky when it comes to streaming it even on um, a wireless system you know and forget about doing it over a mobile service so i mean i think for mobile gamers people who are interested in playing high-end games on a mobile device it's a boom without a doubt but, you know, then there's also the idea that there would be sort of a broader mix. So if we're looking towards the future of video games, there is a there's a definite delineation between what a PC game is, what a good Xbox game is. Yeah. There's a difference between those two, and there's a vast difference between the quality and the tone and the way a AAA game is played next to a mobile game. Mm, 100%. But if you look up at Netflix, the interesting thing is they're lining them up together. Or that's where it's going. Yeah. Or if you look at, say, NVIDIA Go, that's that's what you're seeing. I noticed when I was looking up some research for mobile gaming that in 2022, they had like a massive spike in gamers for the mobile platform, which wasn't surprising based off of COVID and how 22. numbers, yeah, how numbers yeah. were trending. Yeah, yeah. But then right alongside that, while that number had gone up, people who were willing to actually make purchases on the mobile platforms had actually gone down. So you had higher numbers, but people didn't want to pay for in-game purchases anymore as much as they had used to. Is that something that's surprising to you or is that something that you've seen or yeah i think there's been some blowback and i'm glad of it my son pointed out to me the other day that when overwatch's single player mode went up on steam it is. gamers review bombed it because they weren't happy with the monetization of the single player game and i think what blizzard has done is they released the single player game in a number of segments yeah so you're paying for the first segment you're paying for the second segment yeah and I'm sort of glad to see that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm not really big on trollish behavior, but once in a while. It's exactly. rooted in something that makes sense. I think that's something that AAA had kind of found itself in in about like 2018, 2019, right? Good Battlefront bombed because it had so many in-game purchases and a couple other games in the same thread, they all got kind of review bombed. In a similar sense, AAA kind of reeled it in and they started to, I guess, trend in the right direction, even though nowadays you have the whole seasons aspect of gaming is hotter than it's ever been. And that's a pay-to-play platform right there in itself because you have skins. It is. They found their way back. They just found it in a different thread, right? So it's all about the market. Yeah, 
yeah, they're I boiling guess. the frog. Yeah, it's the old, it's the old the dodge of boiling the frog. You mm. just do it very slowly. Exactly. It yeah. gets too hot. It looks like he's gonna jump. Just turn it down a little bit. <laughs> and mobile gaming is where this all comes from. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate, and you know, I love the uh, potential of the system, and when it works, I love what it is. Mm. It is an interesting, and you and I had talked about Steam's formatting, where they had initially at one point in the early 2000s when they first arrived, they had a system where you had to get approved to release your indie game on PC. For a long time, I think. Yeah, for quite a while. It recently got, well, I don't know if it recently, it was maybe five years ago or so, but that's when they removed it so anybody could release a game on Steam. And it's something that I think developers are almost torn on, right? Because anybody can release a game now. You don't have to go through that approval process. But at the same time, like you said, similar to mobile, you're watering down all those different games now. And maybe there's like a diamond in the rough. It's a really good game, but nobody can find it because there's just all these other crap games that are surrounding it, unfortunately. I don't know. It makes marketing more important than it's ever been now. And unfortunately, most indie developers can't afford marketing. So for my money, it's the best thing that we do. If we find like a micro developer mm-hmm. who's created something really beautiful and we can cloud that developer, we can put them on our best of list, we can contact the developer, we can do a small part in pushing some, you know, finely crafted basement development game mm-hmm. forward. And there's a lot of great micro devs on Android. I mean, Android, as we were talking about, I mean, there are 478 million games on Android, yeah. which, you it's know, is back to number. the glut. Yeah. So with you specifically though right because you started with hardcore droid now you have hardcore ios which you've opened much more recently from hardcore droid to this new website there must have been a lot that you learned a lot that you picked up on in terms of how you present your articles how you lay out your website how you even bring in audience types so how did you transfer that from that initial website to what you have now kind of what was that learning experience for you part of the learning experience was just financial and sort of dreaming up a way that i could do this without a lot of overhead because the initial site started with a bit of investment and it began to sort of overwhelm me. Just the various facets of it. And so I closed the site down. When I reopened it in 2018, a lot of what I decided to do was streamlining various facets of running the site. So if all my ducks were in a row, the site could kind of run itself. Both sites, I should mention, have editors-in-chief who came up through the ranks. And I should mention Daniel D'Angelo is the editor-in-chief at Hardcore Droid and Jack Brassel at Hardcore iOS. Mm -hmm. And every writer who comes on, we're sort of shepherding them towards mm-hmm. becoming editors. You and I had talked about the fact that you really don't do any paid advertising behind Hardcore Droid or iOS at this point. With paid advertising through you know Google Ads and things like that, I mean that's where most gaming websites find their audiences and retain them. And for you, yeah. you focus mainly on SEO, and that is that is very impressive for one I mean to be able to keep up with the audiences that have changed over time be able to keep up with the keywords that are a constant revolving door that change monthly even weekly sometimes is it a one man machine with you do you have people who do your your SEO for you like how does that how does that work on something this big so I should say that it's probably not the best SEO in the world but I have done my research Mm -hmm. and usually what I'm looking for is particular sort of niche articles that haven't been overly exploited so they usually represent competitive keywords 
that my competitors are not doing as well on. And, and that's one strategy for a small independent site to use. And so rather than the best Android games, we might do Android Hidden Gems, yeah. you know, the best games you never heard of. Or we might do the best looking Android games and then push it really hard. And then those become sort of our foundational articles. And usually they're the articles that serve us the best. And then we'll try to get backlinks to them. We'll uh, put them up on Reddit. And that has worked for us. Yeah. You know, and so usually this time of the year, we're gearing up to do like our best of the year for 2024. Yeah. And once we push that, I try, I do everything I possibly possibly can to get those articles moving in terms of getting backlinks and making it work for its particular keyword. With that kind of same line of thought, when I talk to influencers who do like, they do travel blogs or they do like different blogs about different things, right? They always throw that term out there, evergreen, where their blogs are good this year, they're good five years from now. You know, they kind of, they don't age yeah. really because you write them in a certain yeah, way yeah. where they are presented like that. With gaming, whether it's reviewing tech, whether it's reviewing specific indie titles, that is very hard to do, right? But is that something that you try to lean into a little bit? Like where you go back Absolutely. and you how does that work? Absolutely. I noticed recently that my competitors for their best of the year lists, mm. their URLs. So for example, for like the best Android RPGs on a site like Android Police, mm. the URL would simply be best Android games. And that is the article they use year after year. We've probably gotten some traction by not doing that. But we're going to move towards it by just releasing the best Android games of 2024. And also, we, we usually release our best of the year lists on the stroke of midnight on January 1st of the year. Yeah, yeah okay. And we get a little bit of a boost in Google for that. Okay. And that's worked well for us. Mm -hmm. But things change. They seem to change so frequently, whereas that worked really well two years ago. This past year, it worked, but not quite as well. So you recently released the uh, Hardcore iOS. Has that reached the expectations that you thought it would? Yeah, it's it's doing well. Uh, it's gained more steam in the last year than Hardcore Droid. But that, you know, it's a new site. Yeah, exactly. We started it last summer. But we're seeing about half as many unique visitors on Hardcore iOS as we see on Hardcore Droid. And what was great about Hardcore iOS, at least for me, was that I had cut my teeth on Hardcore Droid. Mm. And so I knew how to start it, develop it, and get writers up, get editors working, and just yeah. move right into it. One of a few things that I like about the iOS operating system is that, you know, on Android, you have your executable file, which is called an APK file file, right? And if you release an Android game and it's remotely popular, it's going to end up on a hundred pirate sites the next day. I was talking to one of my students one day yeah. and about this website and he's like, well, what's good? What's good on Android? So I mentioned a game and I think it's called Aralon. It's an RPG, open yeah. world RPG, a little one. And he's like, oh, he stole it in two seconds. He's like, here it is. That's so tough. one night years ago, I was having an online conversation with the developer of uh, this old Warhammer RPG. This is going back about six, seven years. Yeah. And they had released it on iOS. And I said to him, well, do you think it's coming to Android? And he was like, not a chance. Never. It's because it will get stolen. Interesting. It's unfortunate. Now, this does not happen on iOS. What makes a perfect article, right? What keeps people on the website in terms of content? What do you look for? There, there, are, there are a number of elements that can make an article great. There used to be this writer, PC gamer, editor, the editor-in-chief, and he went on and he worked, I can't remember his name, Gary something or other, and he ended up working on Rogue One. 
like his career built up, right? Oh, wow. Obviously a talented writer. Yeah. And he was so funny. Mm -hmm. He was so funny. His editorials at the beginning of each magazine were always amusing. Mm -hmm. And his articles were always concise and funny. And that's one thing that I look for. I mean, and I think this is true for just about anybody. But that's it it could be other things. You know, there are writers who just have a sort of poetic voice or very sharp at exposition can explain something with precision but without it being sort of antiseptic so you're reading it they're explaining it you're there you're enjoying it it's unfolding you know there there are various qualities that make fine writing in my estimation so there's a variety of things i look for mm. right so i obviously like your writing because i read everyone everyone who you worked for the site yeah i had a short time i did yes yes I and did. Uh, a couple years back it is true right and i personally go through everything mm-hmm. yeah you know What's next, though, for Hardcore Jordan and iOS? You know, what is the plan for the end of this year? What's the plan for 2024? To be perfectly honest, there's a lot of sort of upkeep. Mm-hmm. And there is sort of this competitive rush we have from October towards the end of the year, pushing on both sites a series of best of the year articles. Yeah, And we jump through various hoops to get them mm-hmm. where we get them to. And we're usually, and we do well with those. We're usually competitive. Yeah. We're usually on the first page we've hit the we've hit the first slot which is like if you're running a website you lose your mind when you're when you're number one in google search that's it and we've done that several times with this series of six articles that's first and then i'd like to do a series on microtransactions Mm -hmm. and i started researching that and you know getting ready to talk to you and i've been running some little surveys on reddit as well asking gamers you know what's egregious what do they feel is egregious Mm -hmm. for me it's a problem Mm -hmm. um i think it's a problem for a lot of gamers at present yeah and so uh, I think a series about microtransactions, about where they've taken us and where they may take us in the future might be uh, something rather interesting and provocative we can do in the second half of the coming year. Would you say freemium is one of the more, if not the top mobile gaming genre, if oh, you would yeah. say it? You know, with offhand guess, I would say that uh, one in 50 games is a pr- one in 50 new games is a premium game. But primarily what's being made on mobile are freemium titles. From what I've seen, and this is just sort of rudimentary conversations with uh, folks on Reddit, is that most of those folks accept, to a degree, microtransactions. Mm. Like, you know, cosmetic microtransactions are okay. You know, this game is so fabulous that I'm going to look the other way. I'm going to hold my nose. Yep. That's the impression, that's the general impression I get from the Android gamers that I talk to. Do you think it's also because a huge majority of players who play mobile games, it's almost, I wouldn't say they're like hyper casual, but they are casual players, right? Where they're playing like in yeah. line at the grocery store or they're playing when they get home from work yeah. or whatever for like an hour. And they're just like, whatever, I'll spend $5 on this skin or whatever. I'm not going to worry about it it doesn't really matter that much. So there ultimately isn't that blowback because you don't have the same passion as people who are like Xbox versus PlayStation and stuff like that. There just isn't as much yeah. investment on that side of things. No, no. I think that's that's definitely a part of it. That's definitely a part of it. And yeah, and perhaps there's also sort of an attitude, well, it's just mobile, mm, yeah. right? It's just an Android game. They were like this when I started playing them. Mm-hmm. They remain like this. Who cares? Whereas... You know, uh, hardcore Xbox gamers, hardcore PC and PlayStation gamers are very protective of their space Mm -hmm. and more hardcore (laughs) about their space. 
Is there ever going to be a hardcore PC? I'd love to do that. That would be but exciting. But there's a whole bunch of things that have to happen before that can happen. Fair I actually enough. own the uh, URL Hardcore RPG. Oh, no. That's so exciting. So that's, that's two years out. Two uh, years out, we're going to open Hardcore RPG. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Is Hardcore... What it, uh, what's it going to be? Hardcore RPG? I mean, is that is it focused on PC and, and AAA then? Or can I ask that question? I, or is I, it haven't, I haven't done anything. It's just I just have the URL. Just but the it URL. Would be, okay. It would be across the board. It would I be cross-platform. I'm, ex- yeah. I'm excited. I can't wait to see that. Two years I'm out. I'm excited too. Because I love RPGs. It's, it's my thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we'd have a lot of fun with that. Two years. It's going to be here before you know it. Got to start planning. It, it really is like that. One day.